Hey guys, welcome to episode three of Real Live Talk. Thanks so much for being here. For this episode, I sat down with a good friend of mine from way back, Pastor Josh Whippy. Josh is an associate pastor at Pioneer Christian Fellowship. He's also a husband and father of three. He's a really talented musician and worship leader. He does a lot of things in the context of ministry, but he's also just has a huge just heart for God and compassion for people. I know you're going to love this conversation. This conversation, it kind of went in a lot of different directions, but the sort of underlying theme of all of it really centered around seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and just being okay and being content with being on this adventure with Jesus throughout life and uh, ministry. But if you're not in ministry, then throughout your business or whatever it is that you do in life. Um, so I believe that you're going to get a lot of value out of this conversation with Pastor Josh Whippy. If this uh, blesses you, ministers to you in any way, if you would consider liking, subscribing, sharing, that would really mean the world to me. So thanks again for being here. Now let's go ahead and jump into this interview with Pastor Josh Whippy. How are you oh, doing, yeah. man? So good to see you. Every day is a new adventure, right? You know why I say that? I would love to know. Because listen, if <laughs> if you look at every day as a new adventure and it's not then things that you didn't expect to happen are just part of the adventure and you're not going to be upset about it. So when people in the store, you know, like catch register ladies like, "How are you today?" and I'm like, eh, "Every day is a new adventure." Goes pretty well. Goes pretty well because then it opens up this whole dialogue. I look yeah. at life as an adventure. So, no, I didn't get the uh, yogurt on sale, but that's just part of the adventure. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I, I often say, I actually very regularly say, uh, talk about the adventure with Jesus, you know, being on this adventure with Jesus, because because life is, I think it's supposed to be an adventure. It's supposed to be that way. Like, we're supposed to enjoy life even when it's difficult even when it's tricky even when we're in a pandemic and we're on lockdown and you know whatever else happened this past year it's just Wait, what happened this year oh man did you guys did you not know did you not hear about the about the vid oh no. <laughs> is this about blockbuster <laughs> the man. blockbuster no that's been gone for a while now uh there was this thing this thing uh, this pandemic this global pandemic happened this past year <laughs> oh yeah yeah, I think I heard some about that. Yeah, maybe you heard something about it on, on like, CNN or something. Sure, but wait, back to the adventure thing. Have you ever been like hiking for an extended period of time? Extended, like, beyond like a day, like going sleeping out there. In the, yeah, you're not just going hiking with your kids for, no, twenty minutes. Like you're going out for a couple of days. No, I've my extent is probably a full day, like maybe seven or eight hours, but never, never overnight. I've camped, but not in any kind of unquestionable terrain unfortunately unquestionable terrain yeah it sounds like a new metal band right there <laughs> unquestionable terrain that would be awesome uh no i just think like you know going hiking and stuff like i've done um not recently but uh going my my dad would take us to the adirondacks as kids and stuff like that and we'd spend like a weekend in the woods and you know it's just part of the adventure something happens that you didn't expect to happen it could be bad but because you're thinking of it as an adventure and not just I'm going to get up to that mountain uh, or I'm going to, you know, whatever, then I think that there's there's more enjoyment out of it. And it helps you kind of roll through some of the problems in life that obviously come around, like the coronavirus or COVID, whatever we're calling it. Yeah, man. Well, hey, bud, listen, uh, I don't want to change the subject, but just before we get too far into it, um, 
just want to say again, thank you so much, man. Thanks, Josh Whippy, for being here. Um, and let me just say, uh, this is episode three of Real Live Talk, and I'm here today with Pastor Josh Whippy. Josh Whippy is an associate pastor at Pioneer Christian Fellowship, right? I accidentally, earlier, I accidentally wrote Pioneer Christian Center, and then I went back real quick and edited it. I was like, shoot, I blew it. Um, but uh, yeah, Pioneer Christian Fellowship. I've uh, been there for a number of years, right, man? Yeah, actually, this weekend is going to be 13. Whoa. Yeah, Come on. 13 years. Yep. Wow, you got some deep I know, roots. It surprises me, too. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, 14 so you years also of marriage was last week. So 14 years of marriage, 13 years of being here. So yeah, yeah, that's what I was just gonna say because I saw that um, I saw that on Facebook. I think it was uh, you guys just celebrated 14 years, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a miracle, really. To be honest, I I mean I'm joking, but it does <laughs> it does seem like it's gone by so quickly. My wife might say it's a miracle. That's that's the truth. That's what I thought you meant. I just assumed. Yeah, <laughs> she might just say. Yeah, I don't know. No, for sure. We we have three kids, three daughters, uh, nine, six, and three. That's what I just call them by their ages now because I can't get their yeah. names straight. Um, they're all <laughs> A good. names: Adeline, Audrey, Arden. Which well, I don't know what I was thinking because I we screwed it up. I screw them up all the time. It's Ad Audrey. <laughs> I sound like a president. <laughs> what? Sorry. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, that was hilarious. Um, yeah, man, that's so amazing that you have three daughters. So how did that, how did that change you? I imagine that that must've affected your life in, in, in like un probably explainable ways. Um, just having three little girls and like living with, you're totally outnumbered. First of all, um, you know, in the home, yeah, it's, it's, it's that way with, dog. it's that way for my wife. We, but we've only got two, we've got two boys and me, she says she has three kids to take care of, and that's yeah pretty much very true. So anyway, man, just just wondering how is uh, having kids and just the dad life uh, just changed? I don't know, maybe your outlook on life or even ministry. I don't know. Well, first of all, the if you if anybody's watching this and you have kids, um, I don't know what it's like to have a boy. I have no idea. I know what it's like to be a boy, but I have no idea what it's like to be a daughter and that is it is um it's emotional it's emotional like uh my my middle child audrey six years old she is fascinated by worms you know around springtime like this we have a lot of worms in the yard and i see her trying to smuggle in a worm that she found she had apparently had some kind of bond with this worm i think his name was willie um Willie. and she tried to get Willie into the house. I said, Listen, you can't do that. Your mom's gonna freak out. I'm gonna be responsible. I we can't do this. You cannot bring a worm into the house. And she's like, she's like, Dad, you don't understand. He's gonna die of depression out there. Oh, you don't understand. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's it's a worm, but the emotional, you know what I'm saying? It's just like crazy. Or the other day they were trying to catch a rabbit in the in the backyard. I'm like, and when they couldn't catch it for two days because they're using literally a stick and a bowl, yeah, uh, they're they're crying. You know, <laughs> this school. is something to cry over. Yeah, exactly. So no, it's uh, there's there's that challenge. But as people who know me, I am somewhat emo, and uh, so I can no. relate in some ways. Yeah, yeah. So God, <laughs> God knew what He was doing when He threw me three daughters. My oldest one is is much like me. Uh, she's strong. You know, hard headed um the entertainer that type of thing and i you know 
just having her in my life alone has t- taught me a lot of patience because really I'm looking at myself, you know? Yeah. So good. Hey, so jo- uh, Alex Seidler's on the chat and he says, Josh is my dad. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, so sometimes, sometimes yeah. actually I was at Elam. Do you want, do you want me to talk about that, Alex? No, I won't. We were roommates <laughs> for a short while. I think we should definitely talk about oh. that. By the way, my most favorite thing so far of this podcast, this is only episode three, but so far, all of my guests have been Elam people, and it's just been amazing to reconnect. So, because I don't think you and I, well, you and I connected recently about a month or so ago, but before that, we hadn't talked in a in a very long time, like probably yeah. since Elam, right? I mean, other mm-hmm. than some commenting on similar threads and stuff on social media and whatever, <laughs> but as far as being on the phone, talking, hearing your voice, it, it had been a very long time. So, this is what I'm like really, really just pumped about is to is to reconnect uh, with people like you and Alex Alex and I reconnected last year because he was on my uh, other uh, podcast but um yeah I heard yeah, he was it's been on awesome, that, like three times uh twice he was on that for like twice twice How many times was I on that uh you were <laughs> I had to think um, I wasn't on it it was yeah you you weren't on it Alex you actually make... actually well I want to make clear though since we're talking about Alex um uh, my Venmo is Josh Dash Whippy. So um, hit me up, <laughs> hit me up. I got good things. I got good things too. You know. So there we go. No, I'm, I'm serious. Uh, yeah. No, the, the the Elam connection is a is a vast connection, man. Of all the people yeah. that are out there doing stuff, it's pretty cool to see. And you and I were joking a little bit uh, before recording about how you know it's just interesting to see some of the people that are in ministry now. That necessarily uh, probably weren't the the well most well behaved students uh, on right. campus, and um, I'm just speaking about two of the three that you've had on the podcast till this point. So <laughs> uh, now I don't know about Brother Kevin. I don't think he went to Elam. I don't think he was a brother. Ke- I yeah, call no, him Brother he... Kevin. Did you call him PK? So I I always knew him as Brother Kevin. Um, yeah. Denise knew him as PK. Because okay. she did Kingdom Force and stuff like that. But yeah, I was one of the I guess I wasn't in the inner circle, so to speak. So I he was brother Kevin to me. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But um but yeah, so yeah, I don't believe he went to Elam because I think I know he had a really full life before he started teaching at Elam. I know he had some business, you know, ventures and some other things that he did yeah, before that. I, so I think I remember that. Yeah, he, he had quite the life too, and then then uh, started doing, he was doing youth ministry, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think he taught me <laughs> something about youth ministry at <laughs> <He told> Elam. <me. laughs> I don't, I don't remember everything. I don't remember most things, but I remember the relationships, and I think that's that's the stuff that that sticks. You know, if anybody asks me, should I go to Elam? I'm like, yeah, but mostly for your relationship with God and your relationship that you're gonna have with mm. people, for sure. Yeah, absolutely, man. Elam was an amazing place. Um, it was really, really good for me. And I was talking to to, to Kevin the other day about how he actually had a, a major uh, impact on me staying past the one year. Because when I went to Elam, I had only signed up for one year. And all the way to the end of the school year, uh, like I basically switched on the last day. I mean, not that uh, Elam doesn't hold you to what you say anyway. Like they'll allow you. They would have allowed me to come back, obviously if I had gotten 
you know, into the summer and then said, no, I think I want to come back. But it would have been a there would have been some financial implications there and stuff. Anyway, I, I was right up to the deadline and I decided. But he was a big part of that because of just something really simple that he said to me in the cafeteria one day as the school year was wrapping up. And I didn't even really know. I, I didn't have a relationship with him at that point. So it really kind of blew me away that he did that. But Elam was just that it was just such an amazing place for for like you said building relationships they were so into like you and your your personal intimacy with god your personal relationship with god and and pushing you into that as the most important thing i i think as the foundation for for ministry um so yeah i mean that's what i was focused on uh in that order were relationships with people and then with god and i'm just being honest um, but I think, I mean, that you can't, when, when it's, it's tough because we were joking. Um, yeah, like you probably wouldn't think I'd be a pastor for 13 years based off of knowing me in my high school and, and Elam years. But I also wonder if that's because that we have a tendency to put people in boxes and try to assume yes. what they're going to be. hundred percent. So sure. If you looked at myself or Alex or some other, you know, I'm not going to name call everybody under the bus, but if you, <laughs> if you were going to, <clears throat> you know, Joe Wicks, um, no, I'm just kidding. But if you're going to, you know, there's like this idea. And I think especially at Elam that you feel at Bible school, no matter where you go, there is this feeling that I have to be something I'm not. And, uh, I struggled with that for a long time. Tried to try to be somebody I'm not tried to be more serious than I really am, or, you know, more stern. And the truth is, it's like, God made me the way I am. You know, I'm not to say I don't have anything I need to work on. Obviously I do, but God made me the way that I am. And I have to be confident in that. And I use that in, you know, I use that in every area of, of ministry that I can is just who, I, what, who am I? Who's Josh? Yeah. Because I feel like, um, even though I was probably counted out, in the beginning because I didn't line up to all the things that people thought I should be and what I thought I should be. So I missed out a lot in the beginning and of my ministry, um, you know, with just not being confident who God made me. That's huge, man. Um, I think that that's an issue for a lot of people. I think the, the comparison game, comparing ourselves to other people and thinking, well, I need to be more like this. I need to be more like that. There's nothing wrong with emulating, you know, looking, having someone that you look up to and saying, oh, you know what? I love the way they do this. I whether it's business, ministry, whatever it is, I, I love the way they they're I love the way this person is as a father and as a husband. Like, I want to be like that. Nothing wrong with that. But but to compare yourself to the point of losing who you are and, and, and not developing that confidence in who God created you to be, I think that 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 sort of identity issue of of recognizing that you are the way that you are for a reason. You are the way that you are because God created you that way, and that's how he wanted you, and he doesn't make mistakes. And so learning how to express yourself and, and express, like in terms of, in terms of ministry and, and stuff like that, learning how to express the nature and the character of God even through you, through your personality. I think that that's so huge. That's such a big deal. And now knowing what I know, and I know Alex is the same way. Um, but for myself anyway, when I'm dealing, one of the things I do is youth ministry. It's just one of the things I've, I've done here uh, for the last 14 years and even before that. But one of the things that it, it feels like when I see kids that are troublemakers or kids that are the class clown and causing issues, 
you know, a lot of my youth leaders always are like, man, that kid's so annoying. I can't believe that kid. I'm like, I see a future pastor yes. right there. Like, come on. I, I love this kid right here. He's got so much potential uh, to do not just pastoring, but you, I can see him as leaders. You know, I can see those things because I was that kid that was screwing around and didn't have a lot of direction. I just need somebody to speak into my life, you know, and give that to me. So I try to do that now, uh, trying to emulate that, you know, like uh, Andy Webster speaking into me at a young age. If anybody know, in Elam world knows Andy Webster, he was my youth pastor for like 11 years. And wow. he, great guy. Yeah, great guy. Ta he really sewed into me, spoke to me. I did my internship with him uh, through Elam. The guy just spoke into me like not not. He, it's not like he excused the the immaturity, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like he excused it, but he also had patience for it. And yes. I feel as leaders, we need to make sure that we're we're doing that with with those younger, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, we're in our thirties, bro, like late thirties. So don't remind me. I just turned thirty five, bro. I know you're old. Ah, it's crazy. I'm only I'm only twenty two. That's weird. No, I'm thirty seven. <laughs> you should be because you were. Two years, two years ahead of me, so it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I think I think when we can learn to honor people in that way, where we can see them not just for how they're acting right now, you know, not just right. like with all of their flaws and everything. Again, like you said, not just excusing, you know, things that should be dealt with and stuff like that, but at the same time being willing to see beyond just the external because so uh, I think everybody to an extent at, at some, sometime in their life walks around with a mask on, you know, not really being who they really are to everybody I don't have to around do that them. anymore. I don't have to wear a mask anymore. <laughs> we'll get to that. Let's talk about that in a minute. You mean because you're in New York? Keep going. You mean, okay. I'll, I'll, we'll talk about it. But no, the, yeah, the symbolism yeah, no, of the I mask or analogy of the mask. Yeah, man. It's just, um, but yeah, just being willing to see beyond the the stuff, the the front or the mm -hmm. the perception that people put up, and and just being able to see beyond the the mistakes and the issues and the stuff where people are rough around the edges and everything else, and being able to sow into the life of that person based on the fact, you know, what this person's not acting amazing right now. Maybe in terms of my opinion, but. This person is a child of God. They're created in God's image and God has a plan for this person's life. And so being able to see, like you mentioned, you know, this person that people have a problem with or whatever, they're like, no, I see a, I see a pastor. I see a minister. I see somebody that has a, a future because, because God's, God's in it. God's in this person. God's, God's involved in this person's life. And so being able to honor people, I think is so huge because it gives you this, it, it, it kind of like if you're willing to honor somebody, which means I'm not just going to treat you good because I like you. I'm not just going to treat you good because I see some stuff that I like in you, but I'm going to treat you uh, with honor, with dignity. I'm going to show you respect. I'm going to sow into your life, regardless of what uh, I see in the natural, regardless of whether or not we're on the same page with everything, regardless of, of you know, whatever else, even things that might rub me the wrong way or that I might not be in full agreement with. But I'm going to honor you and respect you and love you and demonstrate Jesus to you anyway because of who you are, because you belong to God. You know, well, look at Jesus himself. I mean, look at the people he picked. Yeah. <laughs> you know what you Come see? Come on. I mean, these dudes were they were not 
what you would normally pick. They weren't the perfect, uh, spent their time in the, in the synagogues getting taught. They weren't under a rabbi. Yeah, These were man. dudes that were fishermen. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure most fishermen probably had some rough edges. I yeah, think you called sure. it, right? They got some stuff they needed to work on. And then you talked about honoring. Of course. Look at them. He washed their feet. It's like, uh, I just wondered if we, you know, I think a lot of the times, and listen, I'm, this is no judgment against um people who've been in ministry for a long time but why are we having such a difficult time passing the torch to younger believers right uh we have pastors that are in their 80s great men and women of god but there's nobody behind them to pass the baton to now is that you know i guess you could say one thing well they you know nobody wants to step up to the plate maybe that's true but could also be that we are we are dead set on a, a specific type of personality maybe somebody that's going to handle things the way that we're going to handle things mm, somebody yeah you know, we put all these boxes on people and to say well they got to be perfect and they got to have this and meanwhile jesus picks you know tax collectors fishermen yeah, like, man. he's picking people that you would never expect him to pick and i just wonder will we do better if we not lower the the expect well i guess i would say lower your expectations our expectations are 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 way too high way too high yeah. I think a lot of that goes down. Out. <laughs> yeah. For real, man. I think a lot of that comes down to insecurity. Whether it's insecurity over I don't want to promote this person because I don't want them to to pass me. I don't want them to show me up. Mm-hmm. Or if it's insecurity because I don't know if if they're ready and they might destroy it or they might tear it down or they might not do what I want them to do or whatever. And uh it's just amazing when you look at Jesus and how <sighs> just sending people out, man. Just Letting people spend some time with him, and then not holding them back forever. I definitely think that that the that we've been so guilty of um, holding people back for too long. Oh, you're not ready yet. It's not your season yet. I've done that. I've done that too. Yeah. And it's happened to me. Um, yeah. Before I was here at this church at Pioneer, I was in uh, Myrtle Beach for three years. I thought it was going to be a job. That's how it was presented to me. But it actually turned out to be more of an internship that lasted three years. But the truth is, even though I went through some rough times during that, it was the best thing that ever came along because I was pushing for a position. I was pushing for acceptance to be known, to fit into this box that I believed that the pastor wanted for me. And I wasn't getting to know the father and his heart for me. So what ends up happening is an insecure leader, which I was. And it took, you know, it took a lot of things happening through those three years for me to come to the conclusion that I'm just on the adventure. I'm just doing whatever God's asked me to do. And I have to be secure in that. If I have agendas, agendas don't work out well in the kingdom of God because it's not our will. It's his on earth as it is in heaven. I'm looking for things done God's way, not my own. And if I'm running through ministry, this is what I found out is like trying to seek an agenda, trying to do the things that Josh Whippy wants to do. Well, the problem is, is that's not what God wants to do. And he might be using some of this garbage to pull things out of me. That's what I I believe happened uh, most of my time in Myrtle Beach. Now I met my wife there. Uh, You know, that was awesome. There's yeah, totally worth it. But (laughs) There was some serious character flaws and it was mm. based on my, it was based on, you know, not that the pastor was innocent or that I wasn't like, I think we both had things we have to work on, but I didn't see that for many years. I didn't see that I had some issues uh, that needed to be taken care of. So 
you know, it's really tough. It's really tough for a young leader, I think, because you think, you know, you watch the Stephen Furtick's, you watch the, the, you know, the Judas Smiths and the Alex Seidlers. Um, yes. Shout out. <laughs> Jersey boys. Uh, you you, on, you watch these people and then you want to be them and not yourself. And like you said, emulating, there's some good things that, but your sure. identity has to be rooted in who God has called you to be. Sure. And if you're yeah. a young leader listening to this, I'm just going to tell you, you're probably not where, you know, uh, uh, if you're all messed up inside, if you're messed up inside, you're probably not where God wants you to be spiritually. So no matter what's happening, it's part of the adventure. It's good. Go with it. Roll with it. Submit to it. Submit to what God's asking you to do. Unless it's something crazy like they're asking you to, like, handle snakes. That, sure. That's a lie. <laughs> yeah. It's often not. It's often not. Right. It's often yeah. I didn't get I the position that, that I wanted. Yeah. Yeah, it's often like they pick this different worship leader than me. They ask this person to lead this yeah, ministry man. and not me. And it's always about me. And that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not self-seeking. Mm. So if somebody wants to be successful in ministry, just realize you're probably not going to be and go along with the adventure and just be obedient. I love it. I, ra- I, love it. I, I rambled there and got a little preachy, so I'm sorry. It was good, brother. Um, I, yeah, I, I that's, that's so key. I think that... <laughs> I think that probably the majority of of young ministers do that, right? Like we get we get into it, and then it's just becomes is is this the phrase that you used? Vying for position, kind of making it about the the position or the the status or the title or you know wanting to be there. Like I remember, for me, like I always was trying to at the beginning position myself to kind of be like in the inner circle and. To like you said, I think trying to be what the 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 pastor wanted me to be, and just all these different things. Of it, it was all like the the external stuff, the outside stuff. That that really, if if you stay there, if you stay in that, and it becomes about that, then inevitably you're going to be frustrated, you're going to be disappointed, you're probably going to quit at some point because there's going to be for sure disappointments. And I think that if we can keep a sensitive heart before the Lord, that we can weather those disappointments. We can weather those difficulties, you know, so much easier and probably a lot quicker in most circumstances. When we, when, when our, our focus and our, and our, and our eyes and our, everything is just focused on, on him, on Jesus, because like you said, it's all about him. We're not building our own, you know, personal kingdom, but I think that it's really easy to lose sight of that. And for sure, like you mentioned, you know, we, we see the, the the big deal people that we respect and look up to, people that have huge ministries and, and everything else. And and we we look up to them. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with looking up to people and, and receiving from them and, and all of that and following an example. But when that becomes the thing and you become intoxicated by that that thing and it becomes more about you than about God and and what God has called you to do and the people that he's called you to minister to, like success is never measured by numbers. It's not measured by finances. It's really, success really comes down to you being obedient to the call of God that's on your life and fulfilling that purpose that he's called you to do and making an impact based on that, you know? And and I just think so often it's out there. Yeah, man, go ahead. Let's make let's get real, okay? And this is just I'm just asking you, how many how many people in our generation would you say are sticking with 
the church that God called them to. Now, here's what I'm asking mm-hmm. is I feel a lot of times people say, well, God called me to this church. God called me here. And then two years go by, three years go by, and God calls them to somewhere else. And then right. God calls them somewhere else. Now, am I saying that doesn't happen? No, I'm not saying that. Sure. I mean, of course that can happen. But is there something about, you know, trying to be the the Stephen Furtick, trying to be those people that there's something that has been birthed into Christian culture, especially in ministry, that says, I need a bigger platform. I mm-hmm. need more influence. I need to be able to talk to more people. I want to be on preachers and sneakers or whatever. You know, it's like, is there something that's there? I, uh, yeah, I would say a hundred percent. I mean, I definitely think so. And like you said, case by case, there, there definitely could be a situation where somebody was called to be here for a year or a couple of years and then God called them somewhere else. And absolutely. And seasons do shift and seasons do change. And uh, we can definitely go the other way sometimes where we overstay our welcome, so to speak, or we stay too long in a place because we're not listening to God or we're not hearing him clearly enough or because we're afraid to take that next step and move on. And so I think typically when God begins to to transition, I think typically we, we probably st- err on the side of caution in terms of we probably stay longer than than we actually should in a lot of cases when it comes to this is what the spirit of god is doing this is what he's saying and he's moving us and he's shifting us but i definitely think that what you're saying is absolutely right on um and when we look at ministry uh in assignment as a stepping stone rather than i'm here to give my life and to lay my life down for the people that i'm that i'm serving and that i'm ministering to right now anytime man that the focus comes off of god and his people because Jesus mm-hmm. is like, hey, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so anytime that that, one way or another, becomes the the not, not the focus, <laughs> when it's not God and uh, loving God and loving people, and it just, and it becomes about us or it becomes about our platform or, ooh, you know what? I think if I were to go over here, this would put me in a better position to da-da-da-da-da. And um, to start yeah. a podcast. It, Oh man, is that what's happening here? <laughs> I don't know. I just think that there's there's something um... on that real quick. It took me a really long time. Like I started the I started a uh, the Simple Power podcast in 2019. That was birthed out of the first book that I wrote, which is called Simple Power. I have um, it. And uh, have it do somewhere. you really? It has light oh, has lightning bolts on it. You're the best. Does it it's got like dust all over it probably? Oh, probably, but um, I have it. I'm just telling you, it's up yeah, there man. somewhere. It's a really thin book, so it's, it's up there. It's, it's, it's probably... up there, right next to one of my Elam, my Elam things. Uh, I don't know where it is. Yeah, awesome. But anyway, um, I appreciate that. By the way, so Pentecostal you... theology—that's what it was. Pentecostal oh, yeah. theology. Yeah, I still have that book. Yeah, I don't have it. No, I thought I had it next week. I've got a couple. I want to let like... everybody. I've got. I want to let everybody know that. Duke cleaned off his 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 bookshelf. Do you, do you remember before this Before we started this, do you exploring this the Old Testament. Yeah, with Sister Brenda right there. Sister bro. Brenda, come on. A plus plus. I got that all the time. I can't even get that. Actually, you got. Now. If you want to hear a funny story, um, I wasn't doing the greatest in that class or any of them. But uh, one <laughs> of the things of that yeah, one of the things that Brenda did, uh, Sister Brenda, she was going to help me uh, try to get a passing grade in the class and told me that she'd give me like an A if I dressed up as King David. 
in wow. her in her class and interrupted as King David. So I basically made a toga out of my bed sheets and uh, walked in there half shirtless and said, "Where's Bathsheba? Where's Bathsheba?" <laughs> it was awesome. You really? I got an A. Yeah, I got an A plus plus. It was awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I totally went with it. I'm like, if that's all I have to do to get an A, it's done. I'll do that. And then I j- just pretended like I was uh, King David. The yeah. easiest A plus I ever got my senior year in high school, I wrote a rap um, based on the based on Hamlet. We were studying Hamlet and we had some so options. You, you didn't go to a Christian school. I did not. actually. Well, <laughs> I did. I grew up in a Christian school, but 10th, 11th and 12th grade, I went to public school. Oh, OK. I got you. Yeah, man. I grew up in Get the you out in the world realm. So you made can you share the rap with us? Dude, I don't remember it. Okay, uh-huh, so here's yeah, the thing. I've tried it. to find it. I've tried really hard to find it. Uh, if by any chance Professor Layton is listening to this podcast, contact me <laughs> because I'm sure he still has it. No, here's the thing. This is this is kind of crazy. You so, think he uh, still has it? You think you, he still has it? I promise you he still has it. Let me tell you You are why. like, you sound like Pam from The Office when she goes into her old classroom, her old art room to get a piece of paper for Michael Scott. Oh, and, and she's, she's like, oh, is it yeah. still here? Oh, it's not still she's here. Not That's you. Still. It's been 20-something years, bro. I, 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 I promise you he still has it. See, here's why. Here's why. So I, the, the, this, the project or the, the, the assignment was you had to write like a new scene. Like you had to write a whole new scene to the play or an act or whatever it was called. An act probably. And I waited till the night before it was due and I didn't feel like doing it. And so I just called up one of my buddies, Ryan, and I was like, Hey man, because he did he was using like Fruity Loops back then on his computer right, and he was yeah. kind of he was kind of legit with it. And so I was like, hey, can we hang out? It was literally midnight when we started working on it. And I we wrote a rap song and he helped me mix it. And we basically used it was like the intro to uh in to one of those Eminem songs. It, wow. it was like loosely based on it. It was like dun 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 dun. Oh yeah, lose yourself. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it started yeah. like that. And then all I remember, the first line was like, it was so lame. It was the lamest. It was like this really deep voice was like, yo, to be or not to be. That is the question. That's how it started. And wow. then uh, <laughs> and then the music kicked in and it went to some crazy stuff. And I don't remember the rest of it. But anyway. So you he, think he has this in digital form? Here, No. Well, it was on a CD. Um, I don't know if, if he ever moved it to an MP3 player. That could or be your like new that. intro for real talk here it i mean could that be. could be it it really it could, could be. be it really could be but here's the thing he played it in class every single day for the rest of the year Ooh. and not just in my class <laughs> but like every class oh, oh, he was okay. so funny he was such a funny dude because every day we'd walk in and he would he it would look like he'd be ready to start teaching or maybe halfway through the class and he'd be like hey guys uh i wanted to know if you've uh, have you heard this new song and then he would like press play on his little thing and it would start playing again. He was such a nut with it, but it was so funny. But people would come up to me that I never met before. Like I'd be in Starbucks and we'd be like, hey, you're Duke, right? I heard your song. That was awesome. And it was wow. literally a joke. It was literally meant to be a joke because I did not want to do the project. Like that's not what the assignment was at all. Yeah. Uh, but but it, anyway, I just did it because I didn't feel like what doing the your, assignment. What was your rapper name? I didn't even think I got that far. Is Duke your first name? Duke is not my real actual legal name. Oh. My name is Ronald. Ronald. Yeah. Wow. And then I do not picture you as a Ronald. 
I don't either, man. My parents named me Ronald Joseph Lamastra. Uh, it was my dad's name. And so I was a second. And then I think they didn't like the fact that there were two Ronalds in the house. <laughs> and they wow. started calling me Duke. And as sort of a nickname that just kind of stuck. And here we are. Yeah, all these years I've never gone that's, by Ronald. But Ronald a is still name though, right? Duke is out there. I've heard, I've heard other people called Duke. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, there's more dogs named Duke than humans. I think. Oh, it's yeah, more of a maybe, dog name. That's where I'm hearing it from. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's I more like of a dog. to name my dogs people names. That's what I go. I for love now. that man. I love so, it. So, like my first kid, my first kid. Oh my gosh, my first dog. Her name was Mara. Uh, she died just last month, which is really oh, sad. I'm but sorry. She went. She lived down in Myrtle Beach with my mother-in-law, so it's all good. Um, yeah. She lived a, a nice long life. But Mara, I found this out. Brother Fountain Schultz. He's a. If you ever check him out, uh, Word of Life Ministries. Is that what it's called? Word of Life Ministries. Word. Of mouth. Uh, no. On onward or no. Onward. Onward. Is that right? Onward Ministries. Onward. On, like onward. Like W O R D. Not it. yeah. Check him out. He's great. Got brilliant, brilliant. Has a lot of yeah, great books. Is. Anyway, so he had told me, "Hey, you know what Mara means?" I'm like, "It's just a cool name." He's like, "No, it means bitter." bitter I'm like, yeah. "Oh, it's a rat terrier <laughs> chihuahua." That sounds yep. about right. I Exodus actually 15. named her Mara after Maranatha, which gotcha. You know, all the great '90s worship stuff that was awesome. Yeah. And then my dog now uh, that we have, he's a Boston Terrier. His name is Mason. Mm. I love that name. That's Mason. so cool. Yeah, Mara, Exodus 15, shout out Elam Passage. The waters were mm. bitter, and then they went to Elam, the oasis. Just I didn't know that when full I named circle. it her. I know. <laughs> Should have called her Elam, bro. Yeah, I thought about that. You ever you ever Google Elam, and then it comes up with, like, it's usually, like, a lot of, like, Asia stuff. Like, I don't, know. I don't even know where it is. <laughs> no, it's, it's well, that, that's it's, my recollection. It must mean something. I don't know. I have no idea, unless there's another fellowship out there. Oh, dude, Oasis is this week. Are you going to do anything with that? The Elam Fellowship Conference? Is it online? It is. Is it well, exclusively online gonna... or is it just broke? Exclusively. Is it both? Exclusively. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't think was... they knew what would happen, you know? I was unaware um, actually till this moment just now. So I'll look into it for sure. Yeah. I've been wanting to get back up to Elam, man, so bad. Really? For, you, for a while. the last time you were there? It's been... <laughs> Oh, man, it's been a while. I was up in Jersey uh, about a year and a half ago. But even that, it had been a little while since I had been in Jersey before that. Um, and I don't even remember the last time we went up to New York. Um, so it's in been Jersey, a while. Are, are you, um, I go to, I've been at you a handful of times. Not during the, since the pandemic, though. Haven't been up there. Um, I was going to ask you, in Jersey... In Jersey, what is the what is the sports team that you're? Uh, aren't there like Philly Jersey fans and there's yeah. Jets so and typically, like... yeah. So like I'm a Giants fan. I'm a I'm sorry. No, Daniel hey, Jones is terrible. We've had a rough go of it, man. We we really have. There's been some bad decisions made. Yes, but uh, but we had we had a season, man. We had we had some good years back there. He gets he takes a lot of a lot of heat, but I but I loved the Eli years. I'm just saying. <laughs> Eli's a nice guy. He just pouts. Yeah, he, he does. But yeah, so I was a Giants fan, but they were kind of it was kind of mixed between Giants and Eagles. Um and generally speaking, the people that were more like South Jersey tended to be a lot of Eagles fans because it's a little bit closer to Philly and just that whole kind of thing. I don't like thing. them either. 
but they're all kind of mixed in and yeah man and they're in this you know same division and and everything the nfc east so this is a big rivalry but yeah it was kind of mixed between giants and eagles fans and then there's like a few jets fans scattered in there as well um and then i grew up i was i've always been a lifelong like diehard yankee fan um wow yeah yeah see in buffalo my my father is a diehard cowboys fan Ugh. and a bills fan and the reason Ugh. being oh, is well, bills the way he was yeah the reason being is because where he was born uh and raised in the middle of nowhere the only station they could get was cowboys games so that's yeah. how he became a cowboys fan yeah, that's Roger why just back all that stuff. Yeah, man. So just I was about everybody like in, in Mexico is a Cowboys. Fan. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so I was raised... America's team. Whatever. Yeah. I like the Bills and the Cowboys. And then when I went to Elam and then went down to Myrtle Beach, uh, there was no I couldn't watch Bills games, really. So I watched Cowboys games and stuck a Cowboys fan up until about I'd say about four or five, five, five years ago. I started becoming more of a Bills fan. And that's that's where I'm at now. And I've kind of disassociated myself with the Cowboys for many reasons, but yeah, man. we won't get, get out of that, that. Get out of that sinful lifestyle. Just, just yeah. This has been sports talk. <laughs> this has been sports talk with Duke, Duke Lubaster and Josh Whippy. Yes. Um, yeah, I was going to tell you, Duke uh, is it, it's just unique. Um, but at the same time, Lamastra, I think I had made this joke to you, sounds somewhat Hispanic. So there was a part of me that rem- was like, did Duke speak Spanish? before you and you didn't right you were terrible at it i was terrible at it i i was good at it from an academic standpoint in terms of yeah, that high school count. i took it all through high school but yeah no i didn't know how to talk to people or anything and like then that. you learned it through just through denise yeah well through through denise and through her family through living in mexico denise's mom because like i moved down there actually a little bit before we got married um and uh we and got set up there started uh working with um are are you familiar with uh you should know john speaker oh yeah john mm-hmm. john john and andre speaker uh we started working with john speaker in uh the uh, the they call it the alianza it's like the uh, the the alliance the network of churches uh that they that they have and so started working in there kind of working in an office doing some like website design and stuff like that at the time which i had no idea what i was doing um, I bought a book and I down and I bought I got Dreamweaver and I bought a book about how to use Dreamweaver and I started wow, you bought a book websites. And everything, dude. It was it was it was rough, but uh, we did that and then we got to do some event coordination type stuff and go to events and meet pastors and we got to uh, we we kind of eased into this role of just sort of trying to take care of of pastors, you know, even though we were really young. Um, and that wasn't really in my job description. Uh, whenever I had the opportunity to just kind of talk to the the pastors and and some of them, there were a lot of missionaries um, in the alliance too that are American, and so I'd have an opportunity to speak English with some people. And so it was just kind of, I guess, the pastor in me would just come out whenever I had the opportunity to do that. In other words, but yeah, I learned. So I worked in an office for the first eight months or so that I was there with. Nobody that spoke English except for Pastor John, and he was downstairs and I was upstairs. And as you, know, he travels a lot and stuff. And I didn't have a liaison between me and the other people in the office, and That's so awesome. I would speak broken Spanish and they would speak broken English. And it was always worse when they would speak 
when when I would rather I would prefer that they would just speak Spanish because they would try to speak English and it was like even harder for me to understand. But they were trying and it was community, you know, so it was cool. I, I loved it. I loved the people there. But How yeah, long just, was it till you learned? So, OK, it took it took me a while. It took me longer than I think it takes most people, especially people that are people that are like musical uh, tend to learn really quick. We had, we had some people that that came down to visit and picked it up within like a few months of being there. Did like picked up a pretty like semi fluent Spanish. It took me like a year before I wow. started to kind of get comfortable. I think after about a year and a half, I was able to start like teaching classes in Spanish, but struggling. I mean, I could I could do it, but it wasn't super comfortable for me. And then I think by like the second year, which I was only there for three years, by like the second year, um, about basically right at the end when we were ready, when we were getting ready to leave is when I started to really feel like I was in a zone. <laughs> That's when so I guess I went find there. It. I guess I just went there to learn Spanish. But... That's when you finally found out what they were talking about. You know, exactly. The whole time they were you. just talking about me the whole time. And I was yeah, like, I got to get out of here. Yeah, it's basically so what happened. Stupid. It's basically what happened. not even know Spanish, idiot. Yeah, it was funny. We started working. Well, I, I don't know why I said funny. It was it was really cool. We started after after being there for about eight months. They asked me and Denise to come and to work in the house of prayer at the church at the time was called Vida Abundante. Now it's called Mas Vida. Um, that's easier to that's, say. That's uh, on, uh, Pastor Andre Speaker's church. Shout out to Andres and Kelly. But we, um, yeah, so we started working in the house of prayer. And so I started like teaching these classes on like eschatology and stuff. And in Spanish? In Spanish. And so wow. I would, I would I kind of. I barely say that word in English. It's, it, yeah. Uh, eschatologia. But but anyway, we would start it started out like this, like I would write stuff out and I would kind of write out almost like a manuscript in English. And then Denise would help me translate it. And then I would kind of study it in Spanish and then I would teach it. But it got to the point where I didn't need to do that anymore. I could just use an outline, you yeah. know, and just kind of teach. It, it got to that point eventually. But it took me a little bit longer because I think I was stubborn with it and also because Denise and I, we learned to speak English because we met in America. And so in our home, we were more accustomed to speaking English. And so I sort of had that escape. Once we moved over to the church, too, there were several people that worked in the church mm. that I became good friends with that spoke English as well. And so I kind of had that escape route where I didn't always have to be speaking Spanish. And so it took me a little bit longer than, I, than, it, than it had to. Yeah. I don't know any other languages. I don't. I wish I did. There was something, you know, I kind of talked. You know English pretty well, though. I mean, like I'd say yeah. 65, well, 70%. That's debatable. I come up with all, I make up a lot of words. Yeah. You know, uh, actually, I think, yeah, I won't talk about that. My pastor made up a word yesterday. He told everybody, this is a word that's not, that's not real. Um, I can't even remember what it was, but that's the stuff I do. I make up words if I don't know. Actually, something really embarrassing. I did um, a funeral the other day for uh, a young, uh, for a, a guy that had passed away, a 67-year-old mm. guy, and his daughter had asked me uh, if I would do, you know, the graveside uh, service, which there was no other service. So if you're in the ministry, you probably know this. Yeah. Like, the graveside service <laughs> has to be a little bit longer. It can't be just the committal. Like, you have to be right. there. 
sure and make it something but it's outside it's awkward it's weird you gotta talk well what made it more weird is they asked me to do this poem called the farm the god made a farmer and it was from um, paul harvey 1978 to the ffa and um there's some words in there that i've never seen in the english language before really i didn't know how to (laughs) say them but i kind of had the idea that she like the daughter was going to read this poem and then come to find out i'm reading the poem so i totally butchered that thing (laughs) i butchered it bad at a funeral talk trying to say this stuff and i never heard these words are like agricultural terms i'm not involved Uh, in okay all kinds of stuff and uh i i i had to apologize later i'm like you didn't use you didn't use hooked on phonics you didn't remember the uh (laughs) working for me for me who can can (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) yeah for real i i I struggle with with common stuff like that i don't know why even when i speak um that there's been my wife still picks on me about this is uh i wanted to say magnificent uh-huh. so even then it's hard and I, I i think i said magnificent magnificent so, i've never been diagnosed with anything but i'm pretty sure i have something my wife's a special ed teacher and sometimes agrees okay so, <laughs> yeah all right well I'm trying to get your doing, life without looking you're doing fine though man you're doing fine yeah it's working Appreciate it. you too yeah so i th- think uh, i don't need to go back there I, I started to bring something up a little while ago then we got into something else but it, I, I don't need to go back there right it's now just real man we're just being real we're just we're just flown in the moment um do you have i want to ask you a serious question now and then we can get out get unserious again but i wanted to ask you just if you have because you kind of run the gamut of ministry you've already mentioned that you do some you do youth ministry. Obviously, you do some preaching and teaching. Uh, you do. Uh, I know you do some stuff with graphic design and arts. You do music. You were just. You said that you just led worship um, this past week, right? And so you do. You do. You do a lot in terms of different kinds of ministry. Is there a, specific, a particular aspect of ministry that you're most passionate about? That you get the most joy out of? That you like the most? Like, if we had to say you were going to do this. Basically, like this is going to become your main focus in ministry. Um, is there something that that you kind of have as your favorite <laughs> part of ministry? It's funny you bring this up. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I'll uh, I'll tell you a funny story. So we were talking about Sister Brenda Collier, and yes. I can remember my freshman year at Elon Bible Institute, and I walked into her office, and she said she had a prophetic word for me, and I'm like, "All right, cool. What is it?" And she basically said that that I could do what, and this was, you know, I was 18. She said I could do anything, anything that God was leaving every door open for me to do, whether that was preaching or youth ministry or worship or whatever. And she didn't know me. She had no idea. I played, you know, an instrument or anything like that. Yeah. So I remember hearing that and thinking like totally, I was totally relieved, you know, because there's, there's a pressure that you have at Elam or at any Bible school or seminary, I'm sure is thinks that you you know you have to do maybe missions or you know you have to be this that and the other and i was that was really encouraging for me to hear that the lord was giving me like options you know and that's exactly how i feel uh especially at our churches i get to do all the stuff you just mentioned but if i was going to pick one that i i love i really love i really love preaching um but i don't do it as much you know i preached in the last uh five weeks two times and i preached this week which is more than usual. So I'd have to get back to you to let you know if 
but that's that's exactly what I like to do. I I, I, I enjoy it all. To be honest, I enjoy it. The only thing I, I mean, I don't enjoy like fixing toilets and things like that, but that's part of the ministry too, you know. Sure, so, sure. I remember we it's an important same... part of the ministry because yeah. if you're because if you're if your worshipers are smelling the bathroom, you know, oh, for it's sure. gonna affect it's gonna affect things. Well, we have toilet this ministry is important. We have yeah, it is. There's we have this phrase um, that we've been using. I, my pastor uses it all the time, and I've adopted it. But it's called "Welcome to the Ministry," and we use it very sarcastically. So, like for example, one time this uh, one of the the older retired guys in our church had this idea. This is like 10, 12 years ago to make to basically lay down blacktop ourselves without the rolly thing, like just mm. by hand. We're well, going to do this, and he wanted to do it, you know, on the back part of one of the parking lots, to so it wasn't dirt. And I can I can remember sweating, you know, every ounce of me is, you know, is drenched and thinking this is crazy. And Pastor Jeff came up to me and said, my my senior pastor was like, hey, welcome to the ministry, my friend. And I'm yeah, like, man. oh, that's part of it. Right. Yeah. But now we use it all sarcastic. Like when somebody gets mad at about at us for, oh, you guys are wearing masks in church or or that person didn't wear a mask. It's like, welcome to the ministry. This is just yep. part of it. You know, yep. but good. I like it all. I love the variety. I love the getting to do different things all the time. I enjoy, I enjoy that. Do you like that too? Or are you a one person, one track? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I actually love that you said that because I think that a lot of people struggle with that. And I struggled with that for a long time with trying to figure out what do I need to do? What do I need to focus on? And for sure, when I was even, let me, let me go back again. When I was uh, probably a senior in high school and then the begin, like even throughout my Elam years, I always had the struggle in my mind of like, I, I know, I know that God's calling me to, to, to ministry. Like I know that God's called me to do this, but trying to like define it in a specific way. And I think the reason that I had such a hard time with it is because I just had several things that I'm passionate about, you know? And I think that you go through a process where your passion is developed and sometimes you've got to do different things in order to really figure out what you're passionate about. You know, sometimes yeah. some people just have it. Some people know from the time they're, they're little even like, this is what they want to do. Like, I want to be a lawyer when I grow up. I want to be a doctor. I want to, and, and they just have that thing. But some people, not everybody has that. And I think that probably most people don't have that. And most people have to sort of go through a process. And I think that, that we need to learn how to be okay with trying different things. Um, that, like learning to be okay with even going through that process of discovering what you like and, and you know, really what you're passionate about. So Anyway, that having been said, I yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you, man. Like I've I've been involved in a lot of different um, aspects of ministry, um, from like youth to worship to preaching, like pastoral type stuff. To like right now, I'm the executive pastor in our church, but I also do a lot of like the vi- the video production and commercials and stuff like that. And I love doing this kind of stuff. I love I yeah. love preaching, bro. Like I really do. I love teaching. That's probably where the thing I, I these days anyway get the most excited about. But, I, you know, I, th- I think that um, one of the biggest aspects of, of ministry in terms of practicality and day-to-day is counseling and developing relationships with people. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that that's something that we all do <laughs> or should be willing to do to an extent. And, uh, you know, just those things, like you said, 
like welcome to the ministry. Sometimes it's really whatever. Sometimes it's annoying stuff. Sometimes it's frustrating yeah. stuff. Sometimes it's just really heavy stuff. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. being with somebody who's walking through a tragedy. Sometimes it's, um, I'm not going to get into some other stuff that can get, gets really, really crazy sometimes. But yeah, it's it's just that sort of day to day being in the trenches with people, so to speak, and just being there, developing relationship and and uh, all well, that. You know, one I of love the things. One of the things I know, listen, it's honest. Like uh, things that we're dealing with is people arguing over masks and people arguing vaccines. over vaccinations. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Um, I personally got the vaccine now listen I, i'm not trying to preach to anybody i don't care sure if you can get it you don't have to get it i that doesn't bother me i don't care um what does bother me is that it bothers other people if they get it or don't get it like that yeah, bothers man. me and why are we allowing these little trivial things to upset and divide churches that's ridiculous yeah, man. like yeah it's, it's part of the ministry it happened in acts happened in the church of acts they had disagreements but it's so we should be past that. We should be moving past that. And I feel like uh, for me anyway, it's uh, it's just alarming to me that there are people who have left churches over masks. That's alarming. Um, how strong was your faith, really? Right. And right. You know what I'm saying? Like if a, if a piece of paper or cloth over your face is causing you to leave your church, you might want to try to look at things a little different differently right and that's not that's every church right there's those people that have happened but the arguments and disagreements i'm going to just tell it if anybody's listening and you've struggled with this listen the enemy wants to get you in the ditch that is exactly where he wants you to go he doesn't want you to go down the road he wants you in the ditch and the best way you could be in the ditch is arguing about stupid things that don't matter like why do we all have to share our opinion about what we hate and like I'm I'm honestly I'm I'm getting to the point now where it's like I know this is part of ministry and I'm praying that the Lord gives me some more peace and patience because it's tough you know um, it's tough but I did say the mask thing is funny because we talked about that a little earlier I said I want to remind you Cuomo uh, I'm in New York State and uh, and Cuomo just said today that at, as of Wednesday if you're vaccinated you don't have to wear a mask which I'm like I'm excited about. But then some people are like mad at me that I'm excited about it for different reasons. Right. Uh, And it's just funny. I'm pretty sure that the enemy loves using these little distractions, Mm -hmm. you know, these little foxes that make us feel we are so justified. We, we, We play these mental gymnastics to say this is the best thing to focus on when it's not. The kingdom of God is the best thing to focus on. Well, and I feel like we've been um, we've been battling that as a culture is these little things uh non-essentials politics do you you know what i mean not and and not to say that they're not important they could be important but they're not the essentials so why are we getting in fights about this why are people leaving churches over things like this you know we got people in our church right now that don't believe in women in ministry and my mother is an elder in our church so guess what we can still do life together and ministry together even though we disagree on some things i if christians are looking for all other Christians to agree specifically on the non-essentials. Well, we let's just let's get past that and realize yeah. that's not going to happen. Hey, man, Sorry, we had... that was like total side side thing. But it's just, uh, you know, in ministry, as you know, it, this is the stuff we're dealing with. This is this. This is the real stuff that's coming up. Yeah. And it's uh, if you're out there and listening, listen, I understand it's tiring. 
and I get it, but you got to go back to the source. You got to go back to the father, realize you're just on an adventure. This is ministry. And, uh, you know, that's where you get filled so that you, when you get punched later, you know what I mean? Good stuff comes out. That's yeah, man. I don't want the negative coming out. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's really sad. and It's really disturbing how like everything gets politicized, you know, everything gets politicized. And man, when we're doing that in the church and when we're saying things like, uh, when I get, oh yeah, November was, was the election, right? And all, I can't tell you how many times I heard and saw, if you vote this way, you can't be a Christian. Like, you can't be a Christian and vote this way. And then it's, oh, well, if you vote this way, you're automatically a racist. If yeah. you vote this way. And it was just like this thing. And it was all over. It was all over the church. And, and there was so much division. I'm like, hold on. Mm-hmm. Like, our allegiance is not to a political party. Our That's allegiance right. is supposed to be to Jesus. Our allegiance mm-hmm. is supposed to be to, like you said, the kingdom. You can have yeah. a political affiliation if you want. You can have your opinions. You can have your beliefs. You can talk about them if you want. Sure. But don't start, like you said, like mm-hmm. if you have this opinion, don't start saying that everybody else is wrong because they have a different opinion. Don't start yeah, saying, you know. And and so being able to, I think we got to this point over this past year, and we can't we can't blame one thing because mm-hmm. I think that when something happens, like I think that when a pandemic happens or I think that when – whatever, you know, some kind of like major thing that happens. I don't think it necessarily changes people. I think that it, it exposes it for, for the yeah. most part. I think that it exposes yeah, what was true. there all along, you know, and bring stuff yeah, comes to the light and what's coming out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you said, yeah, uh, it's that uh, stuff, stuff gets exposed when there's pressure on it, you know, the stuff pops out. And so absolutely so much stuff came out this past year and it really became this divided thing of I keep hitting my microphone. This divided thing of us versus them. With the hands. I was just like I can't stop with the hands. I'm it- Lamastra is Italian, by the way, so that's why I, I do oh, I talk. Yeah, with yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> so good, but yeah, it was just all of this um, division around uh, around an election, yeah. and then yeah, the the politis the politis polit. See, I'm having trouble with words too. Yep. Politicalization, political politicalization. We'll go with that. Politicalization. I see. I make up words. <laughs> Politicalizationism. A a a, a Tory Asian. Anyway, yeah. So that of of the coronavirus and of the mask situation and of the vaccination situation and of all these different things and just all this us and them kind of stuff and yeah. even to the point where um, if. Right now, with all this like virtue signaling stuff going on, it's like yeah. I can't even honor you as a person. Mm-hmm. I can't even have an open conversation with you because if I'm associated with you and you're one right. of those people, now they're going to start to associate me with you. And it's like, wait, when did your reputation become the most important thing on the planet all of a sudden? Right. Isn't it supposed yeah. to be about Jesus? Isn't yeah. it supposed to be about his kingdom? Isn't it supposed to be about people exalting people, lifting, not exalting yeah. people in terms of, you know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. but honoring people and, and, uh, and it just like, it got to such a gross place this past year where I felt like people were treating, I, I don't want to, if, if you want to stop following me because of this, it's fine. But I, but I felt like people were treating a particular political party like it was the 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 savior 
Um, yeah. Or even to the point where people started treating America like America was the nation of Israel from the Old Testament, mm-hmm. where it's mm-hmm. like this war for. Yeah. And I'm like, hold on a second. Like, let's let's back up. Like, ultimately, I would love for you to have have a strong political stance, but sure. let's not make life and church and ministry and f- let's not make it about that because. Well, it's I'll tell you what the what periphery. the issue is. In my opinion, in my opinion. It's about priorities. So I got wrapped up into this, too, in 2016 and even a little bit in this last election, like not publicly, but internally. My daughter came up to me, nine years old, said, hey, listen, Dad, I'd like I'd like to watch the inauguration tomorrow. And I was like kind of hesitant, you know, I'm thinking, I don't know, I I don't want to watch it. She says, no, I really want to watch it. I said, "Okay." so we you know, she was home off that day, virtual learning that day or whatever. And we watched it. We're sitting there and, you know, she has a ton of questions for a little kid, you know, yeah. watching this whole thing. She's got a lot of questions. The first one being, you know, she sees Lady Gaga come up to sing a song. And she her first question is, where is Beyonce? Uh-huh. I'm like, I don't know. Why, why, why didn't they pick Beyonce to sing? And why did they pick Lady Gaga? They should have picked Beyonce. I said, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't I don't understand that. They're like, just come on, pay attention. So some other things happened. And then Jennifer Lopez shows up. And again, the question my my nine-year-old daughter has is, where is Beyonce? Where is Beyonce? <laughs> and how come Pence is there, but Trump isn't? You know, she has a lot of questions. Some of them are mm-hmm. really, really good questions I couldn't answer. Yeah. Like, where's Beyonce? But what's happening <laughs> to Beyonce? me, exactly, what's happening to me internally is I am now, I am now, in inner turmoil about what's happening on the screen. And I'm not talking about Beyonce's not there. Right. I'm, I'm in inner turmoil. I am anxious. I don't feel good. I'm not at peace. Okay. And the Lord gave me this scripture verse and said, Hey, he just, boom, gave it to me. Seek first the kingdom of God and Mm, these things will be added to you. And I just sat there in my chair about to cry. And I'm like, what things? what things will be added to me? Because we know that verse, right? If you're a Christian for a while, you've memorized that verse, then these things will be added to you. Well, what's the context? What things are there? You know, you can memorize scripture, but you really need to eat scripture to be able to process it. Come on. So I I was like, I got to go and figure out what that is because he's given it to me for a reason. And right before Jesus said that to seek his kingdom, he said this. He said, do not worry about anything. Not tomorrow. Not yesterday, not today. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about what you'll eat. Don't worry about what you'll wear. He's he's telling you these things. And then he ends it with, but seek first the kingdom of God and these things will be added to you. What things? Not worrying, not being inner turmoil, not being like messed up on the inside. In fact, he's calling us to something greater than that, which is, is seeking first his kingdom and then getting peace from it. So it led me down this whole bunny trail of saying, what is the kingdom of God? What is it? And it it made me realize that I was all messed up inside. Josh Whippy was screwed up on the inside because Josh Whippy was seeking first the wrong kingdom. Come on. They were uh, that priority was wrong. I was I was worried and anxious because I was focusing primarily on the kingdom of America and not the kingdom of God. So if we can flip those around, not to say you shouldn't care about politics, not to say you shouldn't be involved, but your priorities need to be in proper 
proper order. Because if you're if you are going to be someone who is seeking first the kingdom of America, then you are going to be someone <laughs> who's not seeking first the kingdom of God. So yeah. what is the fruit? What's the fruit? You, you put God's kingdom first. The fruit, what comes out of you is that you're not worried, that you are ushering other people, inviting them into the kingdom of God. Remember, Jesus said that is the good news, was the kingdom of God. I'm coming to bring you good news. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. It's at hand. And when he's saying that, he he's saying, listen, the kingdom of God is here. Seek it first. Mm. Seek it first. And uh, for me, I was all jacked up. I was all jacked up, and I had to really study. So what I did was I went to Matthew 5. And I just read, I just, you know, the Beatitudes that turned into a sermon series, um, you know, at our church that we've been doing, we're in the middle of, and it's, there's so much there is like, am I seeking first gentleness? Yeah. Am I seeking first yeah. being pure in heart? His righteousness. Am I seeking first those things? Am I hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Yeah. Man. And uh, it came incredibly apparent to me that I was, get this, I was spending more time on political commentary than Whoa. in the word of God. I would Come listen on. to more people speak about politics than I would listen to people speak about God in the kingdom of God. So it's obvious what, why I was all messed up on the inside. And it's obvious why people are causing divisions in their churches and their relationships and people in their communities. The reason why is because they're seeking first the wrong kingdom. Wow, man. Oh. Josh, Josh Whippy. Um, <laughs> there you <W> go. YPIJ, <laughs> Venmo. Alex I, got uh, like two bucks. So did he? <laughs> did kidding. he really? No. no. <laughs> I was like, I don't think we put the put it actually. Probably address. someone might have because we just he made. He probably up. ended up paying somebody. That's what he did. <laughs> someone he owed money after it was over. <laughs> yeah, sponsored some guy uh, going going to Asia. You, you know, you wasted six minutes of my life, Alex Seidler. You owe me. <laughs> like, All right. Exactly. No, but I uh, I was actually just talking yesterday about how. Um, you become you become like what you worship, you know. And th mm. there's a concept of that in um, in Psalm 115. It's talking about the the idols that the people were worshiping, and it's like they have hands but they don't they don't touch, and they have eyes but they don't see. Um, and then it says, all who um, all who put their hope in them are like them. And then it and then it says, Israel hope in God. Um, and mm. it's like when the the thing that we that we put our attention on the most or the things we could say that we that we wrap our affections up in and where we find our worth and our value in those things that tends you mentioned you know that we're the the fruit that's produced we we will end up producing the fruit thereof you know and so if i'm spending all of my time on the worry issue worrying about what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink, what I'm going to put on, worrying about what's not working out in my life, you know, going down those rabbit holes and just kind of wrapping my attention up in those things. Worry is this like super deceptive thing, man, because I feel like it gives you this sense that you're in control because yeah. you're you're thinking, you, you know, you're just keeping it there. You're thinking about it. You're playing the scenarios out and you feel like you've got your finger on the button, so to speak, but really the situation's out of your control, which is why you're worried about it in the first place and why you can't seem to let it go. And so it becomes, a, I think, a surrender issue and a mm -hmm. confidence in God issue where to, to be able to let that thing go and trust him enough to, as you said, seek him first, seek first his kingdom 
and his righteousness. Yeah. Wrap up your your hope and your affections and your desires. Anchor anchor your hope and the affections of your heart to to God, to to his kingdom, to the things that he values. And when you do that, then that's what becomes produced in your life. Um, Absolutely. The, the verse that I was teaching on is um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we're transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So when we behold him, in other yeah. words, when we focus on him, when we contemplate him, we, we, uh, we worship him, we reverence him, when he's our focus, he's the center of our attention, then it's like we're looking in a mirror, but we're not just staying the same, we're becoming like him. Yeah. yeah. Because we're producing his character in our lives and it's becoming revealed through us. You know, that, that word transformed, it actually, um, there's connotations there. It's actually the word metamorphosis, or in Greek, it's the word metamorpho, which is connected to metamorphosis and it has to do uh, with like a revealing um, mm. of uh, not, not just, not just like, uh, it used to be like this and now it's like this, but it's like, hold on, when the, when the caterpillar went into the cocoon and the butterfly came out, the DNA of the, of the butterfly was in the caterpillar from the very beginning. You just couldn't see it. Right. And there's all there's I mean, Christ lives in us. Yeah, he's yeah. in us like we carry heaven with us when we go places. And yet mm-hmm. we get so caught up with the stuff, the stuff that we've been mentioning and all kinds of other stuff and worry and anxiety and just wrong, misaligned priorities. And we get caught up in so many other things that we sell ourselves short and we live with less than the fullness of what Christ has actually secured for us through his death and through his resurrection. Like he's given us victory and yet we walk around like, like it's yeah whatever. Well, cause you said he lives in us, but I yeah, often man. wonder if, if our, if our life is like a house, have we just put him in the basement and it feels like we say, God, He's you know, hey, listen, you're, I, like I invite you, Jesus, into my life, but technically you're stay only in this room in the basement. Exactly. Stay in this Sunday morning. Just stay area. down here. Yeah. Don't come touching all the other areas of my life. Yeah. Um, I'll seek you first down here. You know, I'll bring you some food. I'll make sure, you know, that, you that would food. never that would never work. That would never work in a marriage. Can you imagine like you and Denise get married? go on your honeymoon yeah. you come back and you say honey go to the basement i'll bring you down some food it's cool i'll see you once a week you know oh uh, my god but but that's that's the truth that's what the what we do with the holy spirit is we stick them down there we say you can have rain here but nowhere else and what wow. it, the result is is that now we are seeking first the wrong kingdom and therefore also trying to say we're christians and followers of jesus but what the world sees is that we're focused on something else Come like on. you said, we're focused on something else. Therefore, that's what we're showing, right? Like you said, that's what we're becoming because that's what we're focused on. And I feel like like there's a lot of emphasis on getting saved, and that's awesome. But we got to remember that the kingdom of God is here now, and it's here for us today, and it's also in the future. It's yeah. a, it's it's and it's both either and and or it's here and now, it's it's then and now it's you know all those things is the kingdom of god and that's what jesus said that's what he was inviting people to do please come to the kingdom of god i am yeah. inviting you to join this way of doing things i'm enjoying you uh, inviting you to have freedom i'm inviting you to do this and that was not to just a small small specific part of your life that was for your entire life yes so i just wonder if we've because we've been so distracted 
and because like you said you know focusing on the wrong things and, and because that is that why you know the church in china is not having a hard time growing okay mm. and i also i often wonder is sometimes are great you know the the best blessing in our life is also the greatest curse like we live in an awesome awesome nation but sometimes i wonder can that a good thing become a bad thing in our lives spiritually sure not to say it's not a bad thing obviously please don't yeah. send me hate mail yeah um we li- we're Josh so Whippy blessed. hates america <laughs> yeah no i love america i love it uh but it it's, it just makes me think too if we had some things stripped away which revelation kind of hints to that are we going to be more reliant on the kingdom of God in the mm. kingdom? Because if he's the king, that means he he rules and reigns in that kingdom. Yes, right? he does. And he's not the king of the world. Well, in, in, in a way he is, but mm-hmm. he's not ruling and reigning in the world. That's what the enemy does. He has a new kingdom established, and he says, one day I'm going to have a new heaven, a new earth. This is all going to be fixed. Right now it's advancing. See, the kingdom of God is advancing. It's not retreating. Yes. The gates of hell, they have a gate. Because why? He's trying to stop what God's doing. And God's advancing. He's inviting us into his kingdom so we can be a part of that and let that grow. But if we're focused too much on the upside down kingdom of this world and screwed up in that, then we're not going to be looking for what God's doing in lives. We're going to be looking at, oh, my gosh, we lost the election. The world's over. Yes. Instead of saying, God, what are you trying to do right now? Like, you must be up to something. Use me. Use me. And that's how I've been trying to act. I'm trying. Now, to say I'm yeah, perfect man. at it no i'm but i am that is what i'm that's my goal you know i screw up in it often but i try not to <laughs> sure i'll post something and delete it like seconds later like should not have said that that was stupid yeah do you do that i do that sometimes man i i'll write something and i'll it'll i'll be pouring my heart into it and i'll write this long thing i've done it yeah. several times this past year where i've written something out even sometimes it's a post and sometimes it's a comment to someone what someone else said and then I'll I'll get the whole thing written and I'm just like, ah, I better not send this. And then I delete oh, it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I just yeah. wasted 15 minutes of my life. Well, I think but, it was uh, TD Jake said once, you know, you have when you have a thought, you have to allow that to incubate in the womb of your mind before you allow it to be love birthed it. through the canal of your mouth. <laughs> and I'm like, I Dude, heard that him say man, that, like, that man can say some words in an order sure. that just sounds like. Just like butter, and he's just so, so slow talking, and I'm yeah. like the fastest. That man can tell a story like nobody I've ever heard in my life. He's, <laughs> it's amazing. I want to be like that. Yeah, um, he can, and he he has analogies for everything. It's amazing. He's yeah. a great communicator. Yeah, great yeah. communicator. Yeah. Who's but your going, favorite preacher? Oh, that's ah uh, shoot. Uh, Denise Lamastra. Oh, um, good one, <laughs> good one. Uh, that's ding, a tough ding, question. Ding, ding. Um. Pro- okay, so if I had to say the, I listen to I listen to Bill Johnson a lot, um, and he's just a straight like teacher. Mm-hmm. It's not the most you know. It's not uppity by any means. Yeah. Um, I but I uh, it's what I it's what I need. I love it. Um, I listen listen to him a lot. Um, I listen to I listen to a lot of stuff. A lot of times I'll just listen to random stuff. Um. Uh, I like I I like the I I like Stephen Furtick. Um, I I think he's a he's a great preacher. Um, who do you listen to? Uh, I really like a guy named Jabin Chavez. I like him a lot. I know um, the name, but I he he represents the chubby pastor game. 
Okay. <laughs> Not a lot of us out there. So, you know, got to stick together. Um, I really, I really like Judah Smith. I feel like Judah Smith's pretty yeah. genuine. And yeah. I've heard so many Legit. great things about his personal life of how he treats people. He's just uh, all around real. And uh, I like him for that, for that. And I also love, 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 love. And I love his books. Larry Osborne. Larry okay. yeah. Osborne. Great. Check him out. He wrote um, a book that would be great for right now. I don't know. I think I gave it to somebody in my church called Thriving in Babylon. Mm. Oh, it's awesome. It's stinking awesome. It's kind of what we've been talking about with the kingdom of God and stuff. So good. If you want to uh, circle back to that. Do you, you ever hear uh, jo uh, Bishop Joseph Garlington? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I love him. Um, I love some Bob Sorge, man, and his books are just oh, have changed my life. Bob can talk oh, to, a, to this full room. And Bob is like barely speaking, obviously, you know, because of his voice. Mm -hmm. And yeah. people are locked in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like people are just locked in all the pauses. He's not fast talking. He's just full of wisdom. And I think honestly why people listen to him so much is because he talks so less. And there's a there's a good thing for for us as young leaders. Yeah, to man. Know. Yeah. I'm trying to. I've got. Yeah, they're they're all spread out, but I've got several of his books on my shelf that you can't see. Um, but um, his book—I don't put my books behind me because <laughs> people will question if I read them. And uh, <laughs> probably, and you haven't probably, probably yeah. so <laughs> so you don't want to get stuck. Yeah. Um, but his book, and it's it's not my because I've read a uh, I haven't I'm sure I haven't read all of his books. He's got tons, but um, I've read a bunch and. It's not my favorite overall, but his book, Pain, Perplexity, and Promotion, um, oh, yeah. probably impacted my life more than anything I've ever read, um, like wow. more than any single book that I've ever read, because I read it at a time I was on the mission field in Mexico, and I read it at a time when, and he gave it to me, like uh, like <laughs> it was it was a gift from him, and um, it was just, it was awesome. But anyway, it was at a time in my life it? where I really needed, yeah, he signed it, yeah, for sure, he signed it, he it was he gave me actually a few books <laughs> but <laughs> but uh yeah he signed every single one that he gave me but anyway um it just came at such a time in my life where um i i just needed it you know and it, you, sometimes you have those moments and it was almost like reading that book and i don't remember how long i, I probably spent a week on it or so um but mm -hmm. it, it feels like looking back like the time that I spent reading that book, even though it wasn't just a moment, it was a spread out over a period of time. Seems like that was a defining moment in my life when I when I read that book. It, it it had a really profound impact on on me and like my outlook on life and my trust in God. You know, so highly recommend. Yeah, for it, me, but... for me, it was. Um, sorry, I do work in an office, yeah. so I'm going to turn <laughs> that down. Hopefully, somebody will pick it up. For me, it was uh, Jack Frost. Uh, he wrote a book. Uh, he's no longer with us. He was an awesome guy. Wrote a book called Spiritual Sonship. Spiritual mm. Sonship to Spiritual... No, Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship. I yeah. almost flipped those around. Uh, that that was That's cool. That was awesome. I, I recommend that for anybody who is... Uh, any young, young, you know, you're just getting your feet wet. Now, young could be you're young in age and getting into the ministry, or young, you're just getting Good into point. ministry, and maybe you're older, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, that is a fantastic book. Honestly, I think it's why I've stayed here at this church for, you know, 13 years 
is because um, I'm, I don't want to give up my inheritance. And that's what a lot of that is about. Um, so good. It, it, that was rec- recommended to me from Fount Schultz. And that, that's been a, that's been a life changer for me as well. In fact, what's crazy is I used to deliver luggage for um, the Myrtle Beach International Airport. So if you had delayed luggage, I would drop it off at your house. And I actually had this crazy experience uh, happen. Uh, Jack Frost actually lived in North Myrtle Beach. So I saw Frost on the, the bag ticket and I'm like, that's weird. Drove up. Sure enough, it was his house. He had just died two days before. And his wow. kids were there. You know, his kids had wow. come in to see him. And um, I opened the door and I said, hey, is Jack was Jack Frost, you know, your your dad? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, can I pray for you? I prayed for him. And that kid, I think he was probably 18, 19 at the time, turned around and was like, can I pray for you? And then <laughs> here I am on the porch, you know, of their house. They're sitting there praying for me. They all people came out. They got hands over me, prophesying over me. I'm like, what the heck? This got crazy. You know, they, I don't know if they knew if I was a Christian or not, uh, probably because I knew who he was. But it yeah. was uh, it was pretty cool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, just um, a random thing. An- another book, a that book that I, that I just thought of. I know we weren't necessarily talking about books, but it just happened. I, I, a book that I read at Elam. I don't remember what class it was, or if I just read it. Have, did you ever read a Tale of Three Kings? Willow in the Wind. Oh, the Willow in the Wind. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yes, I read Tale of Three Kings. Uh, I think it was uh, Andy. Oh no, who gave I that to me? I don't remember. Eric Scott, Eric Scott, not Mount Morris, Eric Scott, the other Eric Scott, um, Cindy Scott's husband. Yeah. She, he, he had us read it. Yeah. That's Shout out to Eric and Cindy Scott. Yeah. Um, yeah, that book. So it's about, it, it basically breaks down Saul and David and Absalom and mm-hmm. the, 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 the relationship and the turmoil and everything else. And just showing how, man, when, when you can just trust God through those processes, mm-hmm. you know, when you can trust God through that, through that process of waiting and difficulty. And when it looks like nothing's working out and you, and you're so tempted to take matters into your own hands and to make something happen because God needs my help right now, I guess, because he's just not doing it, you know, yeah. when you, and, and man, and just the, the deception of that, of being in that state of mind of, of just trying to take control and make things happen. And, um, Man, showing how David well, like, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just thinking it's it's funny. Even though we've jumped off of subject here and there, we always are coming back to the same central theme today, and that is that there is this trust, and when things go wrong, that we don't have to take things into our own hands. That we can, we're along for the adventure. You know, we're just being obedient in everything that happens. And to me, that's the best way to live. It's like I'm not self seeking. I I don't want to be. I don't want to be looking for like, what's the next adventure for Josh Whippy, you know, that he's going to go to bigger, better places. I'm like, nah, I'm on this adventure. Let's see where it takes me. You know, I'm not Come looking on. to go somewhere else and I'm not looking to try to make, you know, uh, my Josh Whippy's world better. I want to make God's kingdom better. How can we do that? You know, it seems like that's where we're, doesn't it feel like that? Like the that's central the focal point. That, yeah, for sure. For sure. Like yeah, and trusting I, in the adventure. It's weird. Yeah, and I'd love to go back to something you were talking about a few minutes ago. Uh, basically, talking about that compartmentalization of separating God. You know, keeping God in the in the basement. He's in me, but he doesn't get he doesn't get out much. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> keeping mm-hmm. keeping God in that place where, well, God, you can have this part of my life, 
but I don't want you to have this part of my life and just kind of dealing with that, uh, you know, living through that. I think a lot of I think a lot of people, I think a lot of us do that, that compartmentalization of life. And even to the point of, you know, like I have my spiritual things that I do. I have my spiritual activities like I go to church or I read the Bible sometimes or I pray, I worship, I do these things. But then when it's like the rest of life, we we can tend to separate that to think that, you know, kind of separating things between a box of spiritual and then secular. And these are the spiritual things that I do. And then here's the the rest of my life. And the reality is, is that God wants to infiltrate every single part yeah. of our lives. And the fact that, you know, whether you have a quote unquote secular job or a, a your pre-trauma pulpit, it, it doesn't matter. There is actually, I, I believe for the, for the believer, there is no such thing as secular because you are spiritual. You're a, you're a spiritual right. being and you're created in the image of God. And so, like we said, everywhere that you go, you carry him with you. And so just learning how to live that way, learning how to live in that awareness and that consciousness mm-hmm. of the fact that he's with you every single moment and not, not, not living your life. I just think, and sometimes it might not even be, I think that probably the majority of it is not even on purpose. I just think we have a tendency to set our mind on earthly things rather than heavenly things. You know, Colossians 3, oh, yeah. 2 says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. And that doesn't Absolutely. mean that you've got to get super spiritual and be talking about, you know, Jesus and you, all the time. And you got to be a holy roller. It doesn't mean that because yeah. super, you know, spirituality and like religiosity, that's actually the opposite of heavenly mindedness. Like that's not heavenly mindedness. Mm-hmm. It's 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 not. And I think throughout this past year, something that I, I think that we I say we, just talking in, in general terminology, lost sight of in a big way was the fact that that God is so, he's so intricately and intimately involved in the lives of people and wanting to impact the lives mm-hmm. of people through his people, through his church. Again, yep. not through a political party, <laughs> yeah. but but through yeah. through the through the kingdom, through the through the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I just I don't know if I I didn't intentionally just but we came back full circle. Shouldn't it be that the kingdom of God is more popular than the kingdom of this world? Like, when think about that for a second. Like, kingdom of God should be more popular and talked about more often than America or Canada or whatever Brazil, <laughs> yeah. wherever you're at. You know, it's like it should be the focal point, like his kingdom, his rule and reign and the advancement of that kingdom. Now, that's the thing, though. We don't do things. See, a lot of times we want to advance God's kingdom and we say that we're going to do that. But we're really emulating and doing the things of the world. Exactly. Different. Hundred percent. Like that's not how you advance the kingdom of God. And I think that kind of goes with your, you know, you joked about politics, but it's true. That's not how the kingdom of God's advanced. That's trust me, the people when Jesus showed up and said that he's the Messiah, they thought the same thing, too. They're like, well, this guy's going to be legit. This guy's going to take over. He's going to rule. He's going to take Rome's going to take a backseat. Jesus kingdom is huge and his kingdom's not of this world. So uh, like you said, it's heavenly. And that's a that's a great that's a great uh, that's a great word for you. You know, for you saying that is like thinking of heavenly things, his kingdom and advancing it through the ways 
that Jesus had described in, in the Sermon on the Mount is like, that's how we do it. Now you read it and it looks backwards because it is because the world doesn't do that. And we have to deprogram. Yeah. We have to transform the way we think. Right. Romans uh, yep. do not be conformed to this world, but transform yep. by the renewing of your mind. Of your mind. So we have mm -hmm. to continue to do that instead of just going along saying, well, the world says we take it by force. Well, kingdom of God doesn't do that. In fact, our savior, our king died on a cross. So, mm. you know, there's some, there's some, oh, some deep stuff there, Duke. Yeah. Some deep stuff. But I'm excited though, because I really do think that there is a, there is a movement that's happening. I don't want to be all doom and gloom. I think there's a movement yeah, that's man. happening that people are starting to wake up and see the way of doing things of the world are not working. There's no, uh, you know, we could come up with the best programs and come up with all this stuff. That stuff, that stuff is not as terrible, but God has placed a better thing for us to do. Uh, uh, he laid out the blueprint to how to do this thing. And you can read it in Matthew five. This is what he's describing his kingdom like. And I want to be known for being in that. Kingdom yes. First. Come on. That's the kingdom. When yeah, you mentioned. Dies, yeah, go is ahead. He? Is he was he a kingdom of God guy when Josh Whippy dies? Mm. Is that what they're going to know me as? Or are they going to know me as the kingdom of this world? And I so wanted, I just wanted for that. Yeah, so good. You, you mentioned a, a minute ago emulating, you know, like the, the church and God's people. Uh, really, I think spending so much time, spending a lot of time getting caught up with, with emulating um, the, the world in, in, in mm -hmm. a lot of different ways. And really, like you said, we, what we have access to, I mean, if, if we were really on board with how good God is, if we were just right. on board with how amazing it is that he's real, first of all, yeah. and that he loves us and that he's invited us into this lifestyle of walking with him where mm -hmm. he's not all caught up and scandalized by our faults and our mistakes and stuff like that, but he accepts yeah. us as we are and we get That's transformed right. into his image more and more as we walk with him. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> this is adventure yeah. that we're talking about. This is this is really amazing. And yet, I think we get caught up with trying to make it look like more more palatable mm -hmm. to people and just mm -hmm. hey, you know, you know what I mean? Just just yeah. make just just kind of watering stuff down and hold on, no, like first of mm -hmm. all, God and his, his and the church here on the earth is the solution to these problems that we're having. It Absolutely. is God's solution. The church is God's solution to these problems that we're having. And so when we try to change to adapt more of that earthly, you know, mentality, like that verse that you that you just quoted from Romans chapter 12, um, don't be conformed to this world, this world system, this world's way of thinking, which is like you mentioned earlier, that's where the, the devil has, <laughs> has yeah. his, his kingdom, his place of authority in the philosophies of this age. Mm -hmm. And it's like, don't be conformed to that, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When your mind is renewed, we have the mind of Christ, first of Absolutely. all. Absolutely. We have yeah. the mind of Christ. And so when we begin to think and operate and see things, and we have per the perspective of God, mm -hmm. and we begin to see earth where we live from a heavenly perspective rather than an earthly perspective, then it's not that we're out of touch. It's that we actually get the solutions that this world needs, because I promise you, this world does not need an earthly solution. This world needs a mm -hmm. heavenly, a kingdom yeah. solution. That's what this world needs. Oh, that's awesome. That's true. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not 
saying that any church is better than any other church. But Carrie Newhoff came out with a, a, a new post here. Five reasons charismatic churches are growing and attractional churches are past peak. Wow. And, well, some of it's kind of what you're talking about. It's really what it boils down to is that people are looking for not just what's true, but also what's real. Mm. And we know the real truth. And I think it's time that we probably stop trying to make it more palatable. Um, As you were saying, like, why are we watering down things in order to try to reach the culture instead of just saying, hey, listen, the spirit of God is real. It's an upside down kingdom. It's crazy. It doesn't make sense. There's going to be things that you're going to be doing that you you don't know why. But at the same time, there's freedom. There's freedom in that. Um, It's uh, like this idea, like you've tried everything else. Try Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, hold real. on a second. Try, try the King of Kings. Yeah, just try just, it out. Just try him out. See if it works. <laughs> I just heard, not that there's uh, anything necessarily wrong with that statement. Like, I, I get the way, whatever. I get the way people use it, but I'm just saying, like, just try, just making everything light and fluffy and yeah. easy. Just like, I know he's the Lord of use. Lords, man. I was just listening to a missionary who ministers to Muslims and uh, Buddhists and things like that, and he was talking about. How because some people are like, oh, are you less of a Christian now because you hang out, you know, with those people? And he said, actually, no, I'm more of a Christian now because I hang out with those people. And uh, one of the things he had said was he was at dinner with this um, this Muslim couple. Yeah, they're at dinner and he prayed. He was out. He was asked to pray. So he prayed for the meal and he said, in Jesus name, amen. Some time went by in the conversation as they were talking after the prayer. And uh, the, the Muslim man that was there that he invited him to his house, he said, can I stop you? He said, just a little while ago, you had mentioned uh, in your prayer, you said, in Jesus' name. Uh-huh. He's like, I want to say, and this is a Muslim guy, I want to say to you, I am I am so thankful for you saying that. Hmm. Like, that means so much that you would say that. Because you didn't try to water it down. You knew wow. I was a Muslim, and you still said it. And he goes, I need more of that. I need more wow. people. And I, I think that's what people are genuinely looking for what's real. Now, does that mean everybody's going to love what you're saying? No. But how are you saying it? Are you saying yeah. the world? Are you screaming at people with the sign that says "I hate you" or whatever? Or are you, or are you doing that within relationships, sitting yeah. down at tables with people and telling them and not watering it down? See, we look at the church. We we're talking. We kind of touched on church a little bit because of this this article, but the church is only like a very small percentage of what this is. The Sunday morning experience is not what this is about. This is about our congregations, people in going into the community and being this. And making the, we can't just hide within these four walls anymore. We have to be not just Pastor Josh and Pastor Duke. This has got to be people that are in the church going out and, and ministering the gospel like to people. And now, yeah, man, that's yeah, how man. revival happens. It's not going to happen from the great children's church program you came up with. Yeah, man. Yeah, people are, are looking for something. They're looking for something real, they're looking for something authentic. Yeah. Um, Dude, I like this. This is the this is maybe the opposite of this, but but if if I'm talking to somebody, and this is what a lot of people do, people know that I'm a I'm a pastor, and they they cuss around me like, oh, sorry, mm-hmm. pastor, sorry, pastor. Sorry. I, I'm gonna try not to. I'm not. I'm gonna try not to do that. I'm like, my my thing is just be you. Like, just be yourself. Yeah. Don't try to be different around me because I'm a I pastor. Like, I'm yeah. not gonna be scandalized because you said a bad <laughs> language word. Like, never <laughs> hear words. Yeah, <laughs> my virgin ears like uh, it, I, I want you to be yourself. And so I, I think right. that that reciprocates on the other side, too. I think people want you to just be you, not 
not ultra spiritual and mm-hmm. not, you know, whatever, but just be just be yeah. you. And when you demonstrate God authentically in your life, people are actually going to begin to see that. People are going to yeah. begin to see that there's something different about you. People are going to begin to see that you respond differently to problems and to conflict. People are going to begin to see that you have peace when everybody else is in mm-hmm. turmoil, you know? Yeah. And so that's why that's we got to yeah. stay away from that stuff that's the opposite that undermines our faith, that undermines the grace of God. You know, when when we just go the same way that the political scene is going, when we just go the same way that everyone else is going, because it undermines the authority that we have. But if we recognize the moment that we're in and that be, the simple fact that we actually have hope, like, right. think about that. So many people... Mm-hmm. Even like the people that you see that it looks like their lives are together and it looks like everything is great. If they don't have Jesus, like what are they holding on to? Like you never know what somebody is actually thinking as they go to bed at night. You know, you never know the fears that people have. And just because everything looks good on the outside, you know, Ephesians chapter two, um, we were once uh, without hope, you know, but because he lives inside of us. He is our hope. And so the simple fact that we have real hope, that we have access to that, it gives us so much authority. But so often, like we're talking about, man, it's just that right. whether you're playing the comparison game or whether you're caught up in the worry or if you're mm-hmm. just you know caught up trying to emulate and be like somebody else and water it down, you know, whatever it is that you basically you undo or at the very least you undervalue the authority that you have. Um, and, and, and therefore you lessen the, the impact and the influence that you can have on the world around you, especially in these, in like difficult times and difficult seasons, we have such an opportunity to put on display the glory and the goodness of God, you know? Absolutely, man. That's good stuff. I love it. Y'all, I, something, can I share something funny? A yeah, funny man. thought I had. Hey, real quick, uh, cause I forgot to ask you, we're at a minute 40. I don't know how much time, a uh, minute 40, an hour 40 already say, wow so <laughs> we're yeah talking. we can wrap it up uh, no no no. I'm we don't cool have uh do you, i just didn't know how much time you have uh, i didn't want to hold you too long i do have to get the babysitter but that's not or go to my house to relieve the baby's babysitter but i don't think i'll have to do that um okay well hit, hit your thought and then so we'll we'll see where this we're is at, more but. on a light-hearted thing right yeah I, do I don't know who i'm talking to maybe somebody's gonna judge me and hate me and that's okay um i was <laughs> you were talking about the cussing thing and it reminded me it's like, do you ever notice, like, you'll be watching Netflix or you'll be watching something, you know, show or a movie, and there's, like, there will be a cuss word that is placed in there, and you'll say, that was funny. Like, you, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Like, it was well-placed. I don't – I wouldn't use that, but it was well-placed. Or it could be in an argument on, like, a show or somebody uses a strong word. You know, in fact, I don't know if there were really curse words, uh, maybe raka was a curse word because you were calling somebody an idiot, but just words that were bad. I right. Don't know if those right. Existed mm-hmm. Back in the day. So it, it doesn't matter. Um, I tell my daughters, just don't say these words around grandma or anybody like, like that you think would be offended. And don't <laughs> let me hear you say them because then we're going to have problems. Uh, don't offend people. That's what we're asking them to do. I'm required um, to punish you if I hear exactly. you saying it. So <laughs> yeah, it's just, I don't know. I have some weird thoughts on that. Yeah. Required. Um, but so anyway, we're watching this and, uh, and I said to my wife, I was like, what is it? that makes that like acceptable like what mm-hmm. is it that causes us to go oh that's okay and she goes well it's the timing it's the placement it's the context it's what right. they use it now have you ever heard somebody use like a cuss word like every 10 seconds in their conversation yeah. or every yeah. every other word I is that it. word you know why it's annoying 
is because it's so stinking repetitive. It's like you you're not using it for strong word anymore. You're using it for who knows? You're like abusing a strong word, right? Yeah. So and I made I made the connection the other day. That's kind of like how people pray in circles. Okay. Let mm-hmm. me hear me out. The guy, the other F word is father. How many times do you hear people pray and they're like, Dear Father God, I come to you, Father God, and I thank you, Father God, for my father on earth, Father yeah, God. Man. And would you please, Father God, bless him, Father God? I'm like, dude, too many F words. Too much, <laughs> too man. Too many F words. I gotta turn this show off. We're Ugh. done. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is that, isn't that the truth though? It's like you're using that word too much. It's really driving me crazy. All I can think about yeah. is the, that father word, the F word. Yeah, what if I was like, hey, Josh Whippy, it's great to see you, Josh Whippy. Hey, Josh Whippy, Josh Whippy. Yeah. I just want to say, Josh Whippy, that I'm. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, just. God's like, yep, you established that I'm the father. I'm definitely yeah. the father. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got it. Got it the first time. Okay, got second, third, fourth, fifth. Yeah, no kidding. No, it's funny. Uh, you, you were the F word. <laughs> so I don't think she would ever listen to this, so I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, we had a lady in our church. <laughs> Who was struggling she was going through some stuff and um she was uh you know tipping back on the the old bottle a little bit too too much uh probably shouldn't have been doing that obviously but she was going through some stuff <laughs> some stuff with her daughter she's an older you know retired lady and she came to church smashed i mean mm. just obliterated but she wears it pretty well her hair was kind of all crazy and you're like okay something might not be right you know plops herself down in the front row and uh, at the time, uh, our our pastor's wife, she was sharing a word that she had. And uh, as soon as she finished, this this little short lady comes up and grabs the microphone from the pastor's wife. Right. Grabs that thing, turns around, faces the congregation. You know, she's just holding it. It was like a death grip. And she just starts talking about, I didn't want to go to church today. I didn't mm. want to go. And then I felt like the Holy Spirit said, hey get in the bleeping truck and go to church (laughs) right in the service, right? Right in the service. The F word has been said the the shot heard around the world. Right. Uh So we're look, we're looking around, we're looking around like everybody's eyes are looking at their spouse saying, did I just, did I just hear the F word? Did she say that? No, no, she didn't. I think she did. You know, parents are like taking their children and covering their ears. Like things are happening. And you would wonder at that point, how as a senior pastor are you going to respond? Thank God I'm not the senior pastor and I didn't have to make that decision. I have to just watch. So I'm watching my pastor and he simply does this, puts his arm around her, which great call if you ever want to steal a mic from somebody and then just kind of grab it and yanked it out of her, out of her cold dead hands. And he said, and this is what he said. Now, how would you respond? Somebody just said the F word in front of 400 people during church in your church, right? How would you respond? And all he did was say, let's pray. Everybody, can we pray for a sister? She's obviously going through some issues right now. And I Uh thought to myself, that is the best. That was like Holy Spirit led. Yeah. And because of that, we're talking about what's real because of that. There are people in our church who still, that was one of their first couple times at our church. And say to this day, that was one of the defining moments that made them want to stay because we didn't kick the lady out. We didn't say you're yeah. evil, you're awful, you're nothing. Oh, how dare like you that. say we that prayed. word in this? Yeah, exactly. And we prayed for her, you know. So the next day we were doing a building project at the time. And the next day I come over to the church during the building project and I come downstairs and, I, and it, we we're in construction. And I said, 
Pastor Jeff, you know, I really didn't want to come to work today, but then I felt like the Lord said to me, Josh, get in the beaten truck and go to church. <laughs> so what we joke is, you know, Pioneer Christian Fellowship, PCF. Uh-huh. So now we say that brings a whole new term to uh, the phrase PCFers, right? <laughs> We're the PCFers. So <laughs> love it. Honestly, but I thought it... that was I thought that was a, a great second story to share with you. Yeah, that was good, man. Um, I think in my church, every I think everyone literally would have just thought it was funny. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think everybody would have just laughed. Um, it, it just happened. So, have you ever just, seen it, those it video takes you back. compilations on YouTube where people accidentally like messed up and cussed in church? Oh, yeah. There's yeah, one. Yeah. Where, there's oh, one the, where this girl. Tents. It's so yeah. Pitch. pitch uh, trying to say pitch the tent. Pitching pitch. his tents. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That so if anybody good. doesn't know what we're talking about, just after this, go to YouTube, Google. type in pinch, pitching, pitching is <laughs> tense. Just look that up. There's this one where this girl is singing a song, and I don't think it was, I think it was more like a special music, if I remember it. I don't, I don't think it was worship. I think, not that it wasn't worship, but you know what I mean? I don't think it was part of the worship uh, set. I think it was like a special music that she was singing. Sure. And she, she's singing, and she all of a sudden hits like a wrong note and she just goes, Oh, sh-. <laughs> she's like, Oh, bleep. <laughs> and she just immediately started like, she was like, Oh God. Love- <laughs> oh, it's so funny. I love that stuff. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think people really want that, you know, the real experience. And for like some of those people in my church, they're like, Hey, you know, that made me think that I'm welcome here. You know, if you'll let her be here and being involved, you know, then you you'll, you'll treat me that way. And I, I yeah, love man. that. I think that's cool. I yeah, man. I don't, I don't think that. personally we got to get so caught up on, on this kind of stuff. Like, nah, you're not going to lose your salvation because you, uh, you let a, you let a F bomb go, you know, <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> um, oh, it was crazy though. It was a fun, that was a fun service. One I'll never forget. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I am going to let you go. I wanted to ask you a, um, another lighthearted question just right at the end here we didn't talk at all about about music and i you are you're in a, about you're, what I, you're about music okay talk, not much anyway did we did we talk about music um but uh no uh you you are you're an amazing guitarist and i know you've been in bands in the past and i wanted to know if you were you're not in a band right now are you I wanted to make sure i wasn't um messing just, up before no not really. I just I'm just curious. After all these years, um, mm-hmm. if you were to start a band tomorrow, what would your sound be? Um, band. Uh, I I would say a mix between Manchester Orchestra, Thrice, and Brand New. Seriously? Yeah, that would probably be my favorite band then, like, <laughs> like ever. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's cool. I would I would that's like I would say those are my three. Um, currently my three favorite, my three favorite, um, artists, uh, there's, there, there's a couple bands, uh, that I checked out that if I could do it, if I could sing like that, I would be, um, one was called, uh, Galleons just discovered mm-hmm. them this weekend. Galleons. If anybody likes heavy music, but you're not really big into screaming, it's, it's, it's post metal with, or it's metal. I'm sorry, metal core, but it has like a. It has like pop vocals on the top. It's it's, it's okay. Sweet. It's kind of okay. like issues, but a little bit more. It sounds like uh, that's up your alley. 
Yeah, I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, man. I like I like heavy uh, emotional music, I guess you'd say. <laughs> and I don't listen to Christian radio ever. Um, I hate it unless it's Sunday mornings <laughs> and they're playing worship, and I love it. I love worship. I love that, but you know, yeah. during the week, I can only get. Then they play the same song like twelve times, at least up here. I don't know if it's any different down there. Up here, it's the same twelve songs over and over again. Yeah, makes me same here, bro. Want to drive into a bridge embankment? Yeah, the Christian music scene is amazing, but Christian radio yeah. is very, very extremely limited. Um, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, and if you yeah, think the... it is good, then branch out a little bit because there's better stuff out there that you will love. <laughs> You know? Yeah, man. For real. I, I did notice that none of the bands I picked are really Christian bands, though. <laughs> I just noticed <laughs> that I would sound like. Uh. So Manchester Orchestra, they've got Christian roots, but I don't think I, I don't really know the story. Yeah, like, his if dad was stayed like Andy, on the periphery. Andy of... <laughs> Hull. Yeah. yeah, Andy Hull was a was his dad's a pastor. Yeah. Okay. Same with the dude from Beartooth. Okay. Yep. Andy Hull is um, probably my favorite lyricist. Period. Oh, he's a. I love. He's I love that man. Him. Him and Aaron Weiss. I would put second. Yeah. In yeah. Top. Top two. Yeah. Aaron Weiss. Yeah, Dustin um, Kensero is up there too. That's some really good stuff. Jesse yeah. Lacey's good. I mean, I, yeah. I like all of those. Yeah. I, that's. Are you going to? Uh, are you going to Furnace Fest? How we far talked is about this. Me? We talked about this. It's about three hours from me. We got to figure it out. Yeah. You pl- you got we're, you, we're talking about going. Yeah, we got to talk about it um, because it'd be it'd be good. I I need it in my life for sure. Um, uh, I would, did I, I, people who don't know what we're talking about? There's a there's a festival called Furnace Fest, and it's in uh, it's in Birmingham, Alabama, which is three hours from it. But it's uh, basically all these bands that we grew up enjoying and listening. You yeah. know, heavy every um, band heavy, that I used to listen to every band, and they're coming uh, and doing a. a a, uh, I almost call it a conference, a festival in September in uh, Birmingham. And here's just some of the bands. Under Oath is headlining the first day. But within that, I mean, there's Emery, Every Time I Die from Autumn to Ashes, which is crazy. Glass Eater, like all these bands I used to listen to. Yeah. Zayo, Thursday. And then uh, the next day is Taking Back Sunday. Amber Lynn, The Beautiful Mistake, Beloved. Oh, I mean, gosh. this is just... Stretch yeah, Armstrong. I, so I need to wells, go just scary for kids, scary kids. I literally need to go just for Beloved. Um, beloved would be sick. Dude. Beloved is life. Beloved is probably my favorite band. Like if I had to, if I had to focus in on one band, and they were short lived. Um, and it's yeah. amazing that they're that they're back together and they're doing this. Um, fire, fire with. They fire. were they're full, Death to Traitors is is in yeah, my top time. three favorite songs of all time, um, for sure. Bit, but yeah, I saw them once and then. I had a chance. This was while I was at Elam. Actually, um, my my uh, my best friend in the world, Dan. He he and I were really into Beloved. Uh, we kind of mm. got into them together, and I had an opportunity to see like their last tour. Uh, wow. It wasn't their very last show, but it was their last tour, and it was like yeah. down in like Virginia. And I had plans to leave from Elam and to drive down. And at the last minute, I uh, I bailed out. Ah, and I let I build out at the last minute and he went and of course it was amazing and yeah I missed that opportunity wow. so now that I have this opportunity it took like 15 years but it came back around I need to, That's cool. need to get up there and see him you gotta yeah. get up there man I don't think it will I don't I don't know they're coming out with some new music so maybe mm-hmm. 
maybe they'll keep it going. Yeah. Oh man, Juliana Theory knocked loose. Oh, August Burns Red. Dude, even Andrew W. I one time saw I one time saw August Burns Red in a uh what do you call it? In a roller rink. Oh wow. It, it was a battle of the That's bands, cool. ten bands, wow. and they were the headliner, and it was in a roller rink in some obscure part of New Jersey. How long and ago was that? Years this must have been early, right? It was fairly early. I was dating Denise at the time. So like messengers or before that uh, album? It was oh, it was before No. Messengers was out. Hey, so Pretty Bennett sure. Bennett C. Smith commented in the in um, Oh you can... she was singing Whitney Houston in church. Who Oh. Oh yeah, nice. the, the thing. Good comment. Yeah. It's really uh, good. Bennett and C. Then... Smith is my senior pastor, so shout out to Bennett. Oh, Smith. what's up? What's up, um, Bennett? Uh Frank Laporta said, Amen. Stop the fillers. Stop the fillers. I don't know. Maybe we're talking about um maybe we've been maybe we've been talking too much. Is that is that what he... Oh yeah, that was a while ago, but you know, who knows? He's an uh, Eagles fillers... fan, so I don't know if we can really trust yeah. what he's saying. No, so no, you know. You know. Oh uh, yeah, he was talking. Uh Frank was talking about cowboys here ruthie ruthie no worries preston love your middle name i don't know where you got that from but uh it's unique uh, i want to say thank you for your comments and uh bennett also said he's not from elam so hey we're, we're just shouting you out that's all yeah this isn't even my podcast i'm just helping <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate you man just take over uh, i wasn't sure now i'm glad i know because i wasn't sure if you could see the chat or not um you can you gotta was, click it, it just me yeah you gotta click I got the you. stream Welcome to WYPIJ Radio FM. So glad you're here. <laughs> well, hey, man, um, really appreciate you again. Um, so thank you so oh, much for doing he this. He clarified what fillers meant. Fillers were, uh, you know, the Father God, Father God, Father God. Oh, fillers. okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Frank. Thank you. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, I just want to say thank you, Frank. Frank. You're so good. Thank you, Frank, right. for, be, for being in the comments, Frank. <laughs> Frank, we really, really appreciate yeah. it, Frank. All right, man. All right, hey, man. This Should was we fun. wrap it up? Yeah. Um, I do appreciate you, brother. Uh, I hope you'll I hope you'll come back and do this again. Sure. Let me come back before Alex. No, with Alex. Let's with Alex. Him. Let's do it. Who do, I don't you, know got, if who do you got coming up that, uh, Thursday? Thursday um, is uh, Amy Davison, who is uh, my first guest, who is not Elam related, and I actually had her. She, it's gonna be, it's gonna be great. I think you guys should check it out. It's I like that. I you said the name. I went wow. I don't yeah, know who so, it is. <laughs> heavy hitter. Awesome. Uh, she's a, she's actually a um, a Christian apologist. She's she's really into uh, apologetics, and mm. um, she's uh, part of a group called. Um, mama bear apologetics and uh, they do a pot she's a co-host of a podcast and um she's she's um, the mama bear she's one of the mama bears yeah and mm. um she's a veteran of the air force and she's she's awesome we had we actually had a really good conversation last year on my other podcast um simple power podcast and we had a really good conversation so we're coming to talk some apologetics and um yeah we'll see we'll see where that goes but you guys should definitely check out thursday i believe we're going to be live at shoot i think it's 1 p.m central time um it might be 12 p.m central time i think it's 1 p.m i'll confirm that later 
But yeah, and uh, for anybody that uh, is checking this out for the first time, just want to let you know um, that uh, this is also this episode will be uploaded later on today to the major podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon Music, a bunch of others. I don't even know everywhere that it's at, to be honest with you, but these are also live uh, every Monday and Thursday on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. If you want to be notified of future live events, you can like my Facebook page, at DK LaMastra, like and or follow, whatever works for you. Uh, at DK LaMastra, you'll get automatically notified when we go live um, next time. And uh, hey, if this blessed or added any kind of value to your life in any way, you can support by liking, subscribing, sharing. If you happen to be listening to this on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a review and that would really help me out. I'd really, really appreciate it. So um, thank you guys again for checking this out, whether you were on the live or listening later on or whatever. It's amazing to have you here. Pastor Josh Whitby, really enjoyed talking to you, brother. Thanks so much again for doing this. Appreciate Thanks your time. Thanks for having man. me. It was fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you have an awesome day. And too, buddy. yeah, see you next time, man.